welcome to the BAT podcast. Uh, I'm Randy Nonnenberg, co-founder of Bring a Trailer. Uh, and I'm super excited that today we have a very special guest. Mr. Freeman Thomas is here with us. He is the CEO and uh, Chief Creative Officer for Myers Manx, uh, which is a new and evolving company, obviously, from the old buggies they were building back in the day and now what they're doing today. And also, Mr. Thomas has had an illustrious career with several OEM manufacturers and in with uh, you know the design departments of everything from Volkswagen to Daimler Chrysler to uh, others that he'll detail for us. He's also an active user of BAT. We're very excited to always surface uh, really interesting folks that are members of the BAT community. So Mr. Thomas, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank, thank you, Randy. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here and, uh, you know, uh, bring a trailer. Um, uh, you know, it's one of those, uh, you know, I get, I get the Daily Mail every day and uh you know and, and i get a lot of um uh, links coming in in the morning from a lot of different places but bring a trailer stays on uh and because I, I that's probably one of the first places i go in the morning start looking at what kind of cool stuff is that and, and you guys are really kind of captured i think the grassrootsness of uh the enthusiast and um and that's to, and and the bandwidth is amazing it goes from you know, um, uh, you know, the James Dean engine all the way on up to um, uh, multi, you know, uh, collective, you know, collectible vehicles. And I see a lot of people turning to bring a trailer, you know, in, in that format. It, it's a, it, I love that you can also comment on it, you know, and, and people that are looking at something, give some uh, your, your suggestions or background or sharing, you know, thoughts and things like that. So it's, it's a great platform. Well, thank you so much. It's always it's always just amazing for us to hear who's lurking in the background, right? Some people do it with their proper name, and some people do it with a, uh, you know, um, you know, less uh, less clear indicator of who they are based on their anonymous username. So, uh, when I heard that you were involved uh, through some mutual friends and um, that you are passionate about BAT, it made perfect sense. Frankly, obviously, your uh, experience and now this interesting involvement in Manx, which we'll talk about, uh, just aligns really well with BAT's variety, right? We feature, like you say, everything from a dune buggy to a, you know, Formula One car. It's just sort of all over the map, but it sounds like you're the type of enthusiast that appreciates that sort of variety. So tell us uh, if you could, I, I gave a very, very brief intro of some of the things you've done over the years, but I know design um, has been, automotive design has been your forte, I would say. And uh, give us the just sort of quick overview of some of the highlights of that, and then we'll dive into the details. Okay. Well, you know, uh, my, my, my background really is a combination of living in Southern California and living in Europe. And and uh, living in, in Europe and California has really influenced uh, the way I think. And I, uh, when living in California, I was the neighbor of Jeff Swart in the, in the 60s into the early 70s. And, um, and so um, really influenced by brands like Porsche and Volkswagen and American cars, you know, in our neighborhood, Cypress, California, um, we had everything from, you know, when Mustang came out, Mustang showed up everywhere. We had Corvairs, we had European cars, we had Jaguars, we had Mini Coopers, we had everything was in that neighborhood. It's just a middle class, you know, uh, kind of a condo townhome development in Southern California with a bunch of alleyways that we'd ride our stingrays through. And um, 
and that, that sort of builds up your your passion interest and and um so um I, I did a stint in the air force you know i spent four years in the air force out of high school and when i got out i found out about art center and i went uh applied um and what I did was I took a night class first because I had no background in design, but I was very passionate. I've been drawing cars since I can remember. I think the earliest memory of drawing a car was probably in about the, the first grade. And uh, one of my first uh, contests in, 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 in first grade, uh, designing a fire truck. So um, anyways, um, uh, fast forward art center, got into art center. Um, uh, it had just passionate there. I mean, I, it, it's as though I found my people. Uh, you know, it's it's where you were allowed to draw cars and and design cars and design the future. And also, we had great teachers like Strether McMinn, who uh, you know uh, was on the board of Pebble Beach, and and we learned a lot about history. And and so, with one foot in the future and one foot in the in the past of history, you know, sort of creates. A really interesting mindset, and and um, so um, after about the fifth semester, I was one of two of the kids that got asked by Larry Shinoda to intern for him, and so I went back east to intern for him for the summer. And after the summer, he asked me, he goes, "Hey kid, uh, where do you want to work when you graduate?" And I said, "I really would like to work at Porsche," you know. And so he said, "Well, you know, um, I worked at General Motors in the Skunk Works." And um, and one of my best friends is Anatole Lapine, Tony Lapine. And, um, you know, let me see what I can do. You know, so he, he calls him over lunch and he comes back and, and he says, um, uh, you know, Tony's really interested. Uh, could you send him your portfolio? And so I'm only in the fifth semester, you know, which is the second year of, of Art Center. And uh, so I, um, I sent him my portfolio and Portia made me an offer. Uh, right away, wanted me not even to finish Art Center. And, and so I uh, went back to Art Center uh, in the fall and Strother McMahon said, no, you have to finish. And, and Portia said, we, we'll hold the job for you. So, you know, I come up to graduation and I have uh, basically three offers when, when I graduate. I have an offer from Citroen, Ford of Europe and, um, and Portia. Portia by far was the least uh, uh, amount salary of any of by far uh but that was where i wanted to go and and so i, I went to Vizac. um it, it's it's an experience that i will uh absolutely not want to change um it's it's like the next level of education especially at that time you know these were the times of helmut bot um uh Hans metzger uh you know all the greats were there and and just to be able to be absorbed in that environment, uh, working on projects, uh, presenting to those people, um, having those discussions. Um, my boss, Anatole Lapine, Tony Lapine was amazing. I mean, he was a chameleon uh, storyteller. And I think a lot of my, my inspiration for storytelling uh, came from Tony. And, and uh, another person I worked for was Dick Soderbergh, Richard Soderbergh. And Richard, designed nine Porsche race cars. His first race car that he designed at Porsche was the 9083. And, and that he did the body design. And then he did um, 935 with, with uh, Norbert Singer. Uh, all the tricks, all the aerodynamic tricks, 
Um, having those as, as chief on the design side for 959, uh, you know, and it goes on and on and on. And he got into group C development, uh, uh, even developed was on the 917 program early on, developing a better 917 body that had enclosed wheels and um, uh, but wasn't chosen uh, because uh, the, they had calculated the, the wheel spats would take about two sec, I mean, two minutes longer to open up during a pit stop, uh, even though it was more aerodynamic. So they said, hey, you know, uh, as a consolation prize, you can design the graphics for our car. And he, and he goes to Tony and he says, Tony, what does that car look like to you? And uh, actually it was, was Tony going to Dick and saying, what does that car look like to you? And, and Dick said, I don't know about you, Tony, but it looks like a pig to me. And that's how the pink pig was created. But uh, so after Porsche, um, uh, I was approached by Jay Mays to, to join Audi. And, um, and I made that decision to join him as his assistant uh, chief designer. What year, would that, what year would that have been? What, what era? That was, that was uh, at the end of 1990. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, 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 in, in January of 91, uh, we opened up the new Volkswagen Audi Design Center in Simi Valley. Hmm. And and with Jay Mays and and we had just a, a great team of uh, uh, designers and modelers uh, that uh, that we had already had a relationship with at Porsche and Audi and so forth. We brought we brought the right people together, kind of a dream team. Um, and then what uh, we started developing uh, lots of future ideas, you know. And then um, of course the Beetle concept came out of that. We at at, at Audi, Jay. Uh, you know, and I were, were really kind of the co-conspirators behind the, uh, the new Beetle. And then because we knew that for Audi to survive in America, Volkswagen had to be strong. And, and Volkswagen is ready to pull out of the market in, in, in those early days. And so we got the approval by PF to uh, do the Beetle and show it at Detroit. And then, you know, history sort of goes on from that point. And then Audi TT after that, you know, I, I, Jay got the job of a design director, global design director for Audi, and he wanted me to come over with him. And so we created the, the Audi TT together. And then, um, and then uh, I was with Volkswagen Audi uh, through the, the 90s. And then Daimler Chrysler came knocking and offered me vice president of, of uh, advanced design and vehicle architecture. And so that meant me, uh, my family and I moving to uh, Detroit. And so we did that. And um, the Chrysler 300 was uh, the first thing that came out of that, out of, the, out of our studios. And, um, and, and that's a lot about the storytelling, you know, of, of a vehicle working with great people. Also, you know, Tom Gale, you know, learned a lot from Tom Gale. Um, uh, Ralph Gilles was part of that. You know, a lot, a lot of names that, that, you know, I'm very fortunate to have great relationships with. Um, and then um, I stayed with them until about 2005. And then Jay came knocking again, because at that point he was global, a group vice president of uh, Ford Design, which included all the PAG brands. And so, um, uh, 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 Henrik Fisker had just quit, and and the minute he quit, he called me. <laughs> so 
So I joined Ford and ran advanced design for Ford uh, and out of the Irvine studio. And then eventually having the studio, uh, advanced studio in uh, uh, Dearborn and in Shanghai and also in London. And uh, so always one foot in the past, one foot in the future, you know, and then um, I retired from Ford uh, at the end of 2017. And uh, I, I look at it as more of a sabbatical because I just wanted to get away from kind of the corporate side a little bit, find myself again. And, um, and at the same time, I, 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 uh, beforehand, I had met, um, you know, Alois Roof. I'd done, I've done three cars for Alois. I've done uh, the, the new CTR, the SCR, and then I did the CTR3 early on. And, um, and then through that, I met Philip Seraphim. And uh, so Philip and I became good friends. And, um, and, and I had been friends with Bruce Myers since the 90s. And I brought him into the Volkswagen studio back then. And the thought occurred, you know, I wonder what they're doing with it, you know? And, and so that's, that's how that all started. And I brought that, uh, you know, I, I called them up and then brought Philip in on it. And, and so um, that's where we are now. Amazing. Well, that uh, I made you give a little monologue there and you deserve to take a breath. And honestly, it doesn't do it justice. I mean, going through, man, we could spend we could spend, uh, you know, tens of minutes and hours uh, just talking about, you know, different moments you've had in that career. But I appreciate you giving us an overview because part of that sort of variety component we were just talking about is, yeah, going around to different companies and uh, seeing so many different perspectives and, and the names you mentioned. I mean, talking about Shinoda, starting with Shinoda and him making phone calls on your behalf is like the stuff out of daydreams for me and many of my friends. So uh, I so appreciate you sharing that. But one thing I wanted to jump on was, I mean, yeah, you talk about your you know uh, beginnings in Southern California and car culture and that sort of thing. I've always thought it was super interesting that these companies had design outlets in SoCal, right? And you, you maybe get asked about this a lot or not, but like, you know, working for a European company with the mothership in Germany or, you know, wherever it may be, whatever uh, was going on there, um, they decided to, you know, create these output, outposts in, in Southern California and capture talent such as yourself that was out either out of Art Center or for whatever reason, uh, out of this epicenter of Southern California. Can you talk about that and why that was either important for you to be in that location or to, uh, you know, bring people, I presume Europeans came to that location and people from all over the world came to these design centers and some of them still exist, I know, in Southern California. And why, why did that phenomenon really take root and become so important? Yeah, it, it really, it, it, go, it goes back to the 1960s when Struther, Struther McMinn, um, had a really good relationship with, with um, uh, Toyota. And, um, and so he was very instrumental in creating this relationship. The Japanese were very uh, astute about capturing, um, a, you know, the American taste and uh, the American lifestyle and things like that. And that's one of the reasons why the Japanese automotive industry accelerated so fast from you know Honda and Toyota, especially you know accelerating into the 1960s into the 70s, and Volkswagen uh, losing ground, and and the American and the American companies losing ground quickly, losing market share, and it had a lot to do with understanding what people wanted, and um, and also those those cultural lifestyles. So um, 
you know, uh, uh, and it's interesting because uh, the first person to open up a California studio was was uh, Dave Stollery at, at Calti. And matter of fact, I, I just saw him the other day and, and he's at one of the vendors. Uh, he actually creates all the lifeguard stations in, in California and around the world that, that you see. And he came up with this idea. And, you know, he's he's a very diverse person and he's a great person to talk to because he was also a child actor with um, I Love Lucy, Disney. You know, he's, he's had many lives, you know, so so and he worked at Opel in Germany and he worked with Dick Zoderberg. And so, the, you know, the the um, uh, you know, the relationships are very close among designers. So with with Volkswagen, uh, it really California has always been this this hotbed of innovation of lifestyle and and new ways in which to reimagine life and 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 objects and and everything else it's the reason why the film industry came here it's the reason the aviation industry came here it, we have we have the beaches we have the mountains we have the desert we have we have every single kind of climate from snow to uh surfing to um, and every kind of activity, especially in Southern California. Southern California is really, you know, I, I think so innovative with lifestyle, whether it was Hobie Alter with, with the, the catamaran, you know, uh, kind of um, uh, scaling that for everybody, or, uh, and it's Bruce Myers, Bruce, Bruce creating the, the original fiberglass dune buggy, you know, creating a pop culture icon that captured the hearts of everyone, including Steve McQueen, Elvis Presley, you know, um, got onto the movie screen. People wanted that lifestyle. So, um, so it's very natural, you know, with Art Center, Art Center started here in the 1930s. It knew that this was where the pebble hit the pond. It knew that. And, and Art Center was structured to, to kind of uh, create graduates that would go into the film industry, advertising, design, uh, fine art, all the different aspects of and communication, um, you know, and so many great people came out of Art Center through the years from Sid Mead, you know, doing all of the future, you know, from Tron to Blade Runner to everything else, you know, always on the leading edge. Um, many designers go around the world, but gravity pulls them back to California. Even my, my ex-colleagues that are working in Europe and around the world, they can't wait it, it, to get to California. You know, California is just still it. And, um, you know, and it's not that it's the best place in the world. It, it just allows you to do everything in one place. And that's what's nice about it. It allows you to be yourself. And I think a lot of people look at California as casual, um, open-minded, uh, innovative, uh, ever-changing. And it's really the perfect place. And it's the perfect place for Myers Mays. Uh, but with Volkswagen and Audi, uh, when you look at the Volkswagen uh, products, especially from the 1950s and 60s, and how we, as Californians, reimagined those vehicles, uh, the Beetle became kind of the summer of love vehicle, the, the microbus, you know, uh, the Carmen Ghia, um, the, the, the car culture that came out of that, the Porsche culture, all the Porsche dealers, Vasek Polak, uh, Chick Iverson, you know, it, it just sort of reimagined what, what it was like. The Speedster, the Speedster is a California product. You know, it's, it's just uh, Johnny Von Neumann, you know, uh, James Dean, you know, you just go back. Um, it is the quintessential 
you know, idealized lifestyle that applies to the automobile. Um, and and it's, it's just, believe it or not, it's just at the beginning right now. This is not a, this. And as we get into autonomy and we get into other things, the equal amount of people want to say, okay, that's good. That's, that's, that's maybe that's my main car that I drive around and I put my family in when I'm going to go travel and do things like that. And I'm going to commute, but there's that other car in the garage. That's me. I want to take it up to the Santa Monica mountains. I want to take it down PCH. Um, I want to take it to a cars and coffee. Um, I just want to drive my friend around, you know, it, it's, that's what we're about. I love it. Yeah. I mean, man, you touch on so many interesting themes there um, in terms of California and what it has meant and, and where it is headed. I'm obviously a lifelong California guy as well, except for living in Germany a little bit. You and I have, have crisscrossed a little bit. Um, and I want to talk to you a little bit about some of your times there. But Manx, this, this Manx topic is hanging right in front of us. We kind of got to go after it. And I'm excited to go after it. So this is a uh, new enterprise for you and an evolving enterprise that has been around obviously for a long time. There was the, the early buggies that you're talking about, uh, Bruce Myers being the innovator of, um, and he unfortunately passed away not that long ago. And that was obviously in the automotive uh, news circles. And I, I heard about that. I never met the man, but um, can you describe a little bit for our audience the history you have with that company and maybe with him and what, what sort of the steps were that have now led to you being involved there? Sure. So I, I, I met uh, Bruce in the nineties and um, uh, uh, you know, and at that point I was running the Volkswagen uh, design studio in Simi Valley. And I, um, I thought, you know, because I, he was such a hero of mine and I, I was a huge fan and I had, I'd met him, uh, you know, casually a couple of times. And I thought I, I called him up and I said, Bruce, I'd love for you to come up to the Volkswagen design studio and spend a couple of days with us. And so he stayed at my house and, um, and, and I had, uh, you know, privately, I had started some Myers makes concepts because I think that the, the, the universe of Volkswagen Porsche and, and Myers Manx are, are one. You know, it, 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 Myers Manx is kind of like the, uh, the, the, the child, uh, you know, the, the child of Volkswagen and Porsche just happened to be born in California. And, and it, it's a little bit more uh, disruptive and free and, and, and does what it wants. And, and, and it's just this cool thing. And so Bruce came and we had so much fun together. I, I shared a lot of ideas. We did a lot of talking. Um, and then um, and, and encouraged him to, to bring back the original Manx. I thought that the original Manx was really so powerful and so strong and, and that, that he had the energy to do that. And he did. He brought, he brought the original Manx back and, he did, and then he did the Manxster. And, and, and so really the innovative products. And so Fast forward, I would meet him on and off, you know, at shows and things like that. And we always had a great relationship and, and had a kind of a mutual synergy on the way we thought. And, and when I went to Volkswagen and Porsche, part of the mindset is the way we designed vehicles was with a kind of a whimsical mindset, but, but with, mixed with great engineering and capability. And that's really what Myers makes is, is it's a very functional product. That, that is so clever and so smart is actually genius. And, and, uh, and Bruce is a genius. And so um, fast forward, um, 
uh, about, I'm going to say almost three years ago, I, you know, this is when I was talking with Philip and I, I saw a Myers-Banks coming out of uh, Petrera Canyon in Santa Monica Mountains. And I looked at it, I had my wife and daughter with me and I said, wow, you know, that is an icon. And so I thought, I, I called up Philip, I said, you know, what do you think about us asking Bruce and Winnie Myers if they'd be willing to sell Myers Manks? And he said, that's a great idea. Let's do it, you know? And so I called up, I called up Winnie and Bruce and, um, and, you know, Bruce said, you're the only person I would sell it to. Well, that's quite an honor for so, sure, given your, given your history with him and, and, uh, and I think many would agree, you know, having a moment, seeing one of those actually going down the road. I've gotten to sit in yeah. one before and run around the paddock. I've never driven in one on a on a public road, but they are they are quite uh, quite the driving experience, aren't they? Well, they're 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 a blast. They are a blast. It, it is it is hard to define what a Myers Manks is. It's it's sports. It's a sports car. It's it, it is the ultimate off road vehicle. It handles amazing. Uh, it, it is so capable. You can do anything with it. Uh, it is all weather. Uh, it, and, you know, in 1967, it was, it was the outright winner of, of the first Baja 1000, you know, and, and it beat everybody, including all the, the motorcycles, set the record, everything. And since then, there's always been a Myers-Banks class. And Bruce was, was one of the founders of the Baja Nora, you, you know, race. And um, so the legacy, you know, it started in 1964 in Lido Island, California, on Newport Beach. And that's where he built the very first car. And then he, his wife, Shirley, worked at Road and Track magazine. And John Bond and his wife, Elaine Bond, were so smitten by what he was doing that they, they basically threw their resources at him. And they invested into, they were the first investors into Myers-Makes. And, and they, they had the, their advertising department, their photographic department, their writers working with Bruce. Uh, Bruce came up with the idea of, of he wanted to call it Manx. And it was Elaine uh, Bond that came up with, you got to call it Myers-Makes. And, and the logo and everything. And I think the original logo was designed by Bill Neal, uh, who is still around, a very iconic artist. And um, so, you know, it, part of its beginnings was this very well choreographed, you know, uh, design meets art, you know, and, and, and when you look at the original advertising and the graphic design and the covers of the magazines and how everything was choreographed, it was uh, serendipity. I mean, it was really pop culture happening as it, as it was going on. And, um, so, you know, fast forward, you know, um, today, um, we, you know, had, our, had a lot of conversations with Bruce and Winnie and a lot of negotiations. And really, truly, it took about two years to where we were both happy and, and, um, and finalizing the deal. And, uh, and it was great because Bruce and Winnie fully, you know, they were happy. Bruce is so happy. And, you know, we, we Philip and I saw Bruce uh, about four days before he passed away. And we spent about four hours with him and, and his ideas and his dreams were still just as if it was the first day. And, and so, 
you know, that, that he is a true genius. And as we're going through the design of the Myers-Manx, you know, there, it's an icon. It really is. And, and, uh, you know, and, and we, we have our strategies set up now uh, as we're moving forward. We've got a lot of great resources. We have our new building. Uh, it's, it's literally walking distance from uh, the road and track building where it started. And, uh, and so it's right back where the pebble hit the pond. Um, it's, uh, you know, so, and, and we'll be, uh, uh, you know, opening that, you know, probably within some months, once we get it all set up and we have it, uh, you know, with our showroom and our, we doing merchandising and everything else. Uh, but we're, we're also, we've got a design team and, um, uh, and, and I'm, I'm leading that as well so that, you know, every line, everything that we do um, is done uh, succinctly to the way Bruce would have done it. I love it. What a, what a cool opportunity and a cool future that it has in front of it. I didn't realize it was right back there in the epicenter again, and, and you were going to be doing it from there, but that makes all sorts of sense. That old road and track building obviously is near and dear to many people. Um, for what it was, and then it's more recent iterations and, and that area of innovation. The, yeah. the, can you tell us a little bit, I don't know if it's secret or, or what's happening with, uh, obviously you guys are going to be selling vehicles or selling kits. Are they going to be old, you know, air-cooled VW powered or are you veering into uh, other, uh, other types of vehicles or other motivation for them? Or is it really looking to be uh, exactly like what was produced uh, by Bruce and his team in the in the early days, or will they evolve? What's going to happen? Well, uh, I think you just answered it. <laughs> so, um, that was a leading question. That was a leading yeah, question. So, so um, uh, there, there's there, we have years of work ahead of us. We have years of work, um, you know, because the Myers Manx, the, the the brand is it, it, got so much potential. It's so deep. Uh, but in the beginning right now, we're going to walk before we run. And one of the things that we're doing is we're going to have one foot in the past and one foot in the future. And the foot in the past is we're remastering the original Manx one, uh, which is what, what Bruce created in the 1960s. And there's different iterations of that vehicle from the swing axle version through to the IRS version, what they call a square tail and a round tail. Um, they will be true continuations of, of those vehicles with every accessory that was available at that time done, done absolutely accurately and, and authentically uh, so that it, it will, we're looking at the strategies of how we will sell those, but we will definitely have, uh, uh, we will still be selling kits uh, so for those that will want to build something themselves, and we're going through that strategy right now. And then the other foot is going to be in the future. The, the future is that we're, we're looking at the original Manx, and we're looking at it from the standpoint of how Bruce um, created this masterful body. I mean, it is just, you know, it's, it's an icon. And we really don't want to change it. You know, it, it dimensionally and uh, size-wise, you know, it's it, it, it is really, you know, as cars get bigger and heavier and um, less agile, you know, there's something magic about the original. And so, but 
but there's so many places that we can improve this. Battery electric is going to be a big part of this, but it's, but it's not like the way that battery electric has been approached by others. Um, with the years of experience I have in the industry working hand in hand with, with um, uh, you know, the, the, the engineers and scientists that have been developing the packaging of, of electrification, uh, there is so much opportunity to package this so you won't even see it. And, and, and so by doing that, also by creating a safer platform that has side impact that's hidden, rollover protection that's hidden, um, crush zones that's hidden, um, reliability braking, things like that, that the original chassis can't give you. And um, we fall under, uh, you, you know, we're a low vehicle, we're a low volume vehicle manufacturer. So it allows us to build vehicles under 5,000 vehicles a year. That's a lot of vehicles. I mean, that's still the size of, um, uh, you know, if, if, if a company like Lotus wanted to do that, that's, that's a healthy size. So, so that's kind of where we think is going to be the magic. And we can do certain things uh, under that, like for instance, the new DOT law that allows low vehicle volume. Uh, that allows us to do about 326 turnkey cars for the U.S. that have to meet uh, 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 an EPA requirement, but uh, which better electric will easily. And we also have the opportunity with certain types of engines to do that. Um, but in Europe, it's a thousand vehicles to do that, you know, so and there's other markets around the world. So. But we also think the magic of building the DIY is still, you know, something that that is 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 a uh, you know something that would be a joy to put together with your family, you know, and and so that's something that we're really deeply looking into and researching how we do that and making it simple and hassle-free, you know, the whole the whole assembly process where today to, today. It, it, it's a different approach. You know, you get the body. Um, no, no two builds are alike because all the holes are drilled in different places. We're going to simplify all that and also make it so that it's accurate, so that things come together well. It's like a beautiful cool. watch. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see how that uh, how that unfolds. Um, and yeah, I think I think it's super wise uh, a connection to the past, but also you know you got to be forward focused and thinking about some of these neat innovations from an engineering perspective uh, that you're talking about. Well, I think people will be excited about that and we will naturally follow along. I, I just looked up while we were talking, we have listed 22 Myers Manx, genuine Myers Manx on BAT. And I've always just thought it's a, I don't know if you follow those or you watch what those are doing, but they naturally sell for a meaningful premium overall. There's, there's yeah. many, many sort of copycats out there and, and some of them are cool and we're doing their own flavor and some of them were really trying to be the Manx uh, at the same time as that uh, demand was sort of exploding back in the 60s and, and early 70s. And those ones, there's some famous sort of secondary names, but obviously Manx, uh, Myers Manx was sort of head and shoulders above the rest. And now you've seen, I'm sure they go through, uh, you know, big tent auctions and they're, you know, they're like a meaning, really meaningful collectible. Uh, and I think there's a couple of really special ones, like the number one car and such, and, and some of the really special ones that happen uh, to belong to Bruce and or his family or other other VIPs. Right, right. 
But um, I don't know, do you, do you see any of those around or are those, uh, do you keep your finger on the pulse of any of those given where the yes. company is yeah. headed or, or are you more future focused on the new stuff that's gonna come out of the factory? No, it, it, it's, if, you look at, if you look at my design history and you look at, um, you know, as an example of how I approach the, the CTR and SCR for roof, you know, it's, um, it, it's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You know, it's, it's, it's keeping that equity of what makes these cars magic. You know, it's the secret sauce. And, um, and, and the Myers-Manx has a secret sauce in it. And, and we're not going to throw that out. And we're going to be very careful. Um, I think uh, later, um, later this year, we'll be announcing our advisory board members. And you're going to be really shocked at who is joining our advisory board. And... Um, so, and these are people that will be used exactly for that to give us their viewpoint of view and their advice. And, and these are compasses for us, you know? So we, uh, you know, we have, uh, I think an amazing trajectory. Um, I'm incredibly careful, you know, in, in wanting design to be just perfect. And, and uh, also that it means something to all of us. Because I'm an enthusiast, I look at it from the lens that that I'm I'm the person that will buy it, and and I don't want something that is superficial or uh, done in a way that just say, it sort of says it's kind of like I'll give an example, TR7, you know, um, there there was a, a designer that said went went to go look at the TR7 and and he looks at one side of the car. He's looking at that line on the side. And he walks to the other side and he goes, damn, it's on this side too. <laughs> you know, so, so design, great design is restraint. Great risk design is, is knowing what line to put where and how and what you do. Function is a great tool for, for in a compass for where you go. <laughs> Oh, you see me laughing. That's a good one. I like it. Oh man, TR7 and TR8. We've had those on BAT quite a bit, as you know, as well. I had an uncle yeah. that had one of those and it was, man, there were a lot of shaking heads in the family at the time, but I think, uh, I know, I, I know. think, uh, you know, some of them are kind of cool. They come on BAT every once in a while. I don't know if I'm going to dive into TR7 ownership anytime soon, but I think that, uh, yeah. I like the the variety that's out there, but man, that quote is funny. I may steal that one. I think that's a really Really yeah. good. One. And that's a good segue to jumping in um, and maybe talking about a little bit of, you know, the design history and design career that you've had some of the, uh, you know, illustrious characters or different uh, mentors or people that you worked with at all these sorts of companies. Um, I, I really think a lot of people on BAT love, obviously, early model vehicles and the design process for them. And, you know, what was going on at these different OEM companies in these amazing eras of the, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, as these cars that are so important to us and, and magical for us came to fruition. So can you uh, point back to maybe any uh, sort of milestone moments or interactions with uh, special mentors of yours that were really meaningful for you or thought that yeah, they were really yeah. impactful in the industry? You know, just uh, I was mentioning about Helmut Bott and, um, you know, Helmut Bott was head of development at Porsche at that time, but he was hands on. He'd be down in the studio a lot. Uh, we'd be presenting to him. Um, uh, Ferry Porsche would actually come into the studio on occasion and we would present to Ferry Porsche. And 
that was really amazing, you know, to be able to look at, uh, you know, the mindsets of, of people like Ferry Porsche, because one time we were uh, developing um, the 959 and uh, there was a, 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 a body shell in the middle of the studio and on the body shell, uh, it, we were developing the interior of the car and it said on the front, it, it said uh, 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 all rod, you, you know, which means all wheel drive uh, 911 or something like to that effect. And Ferry Porsche walks up to the, uh, it was on the hood, you know, just a little thing, a, a sticker on it. And he says, you know, at Porsche, we don't have to say what it is because the customer knows. And, and things like that were just really profound statements, you know, and, and it really coming from, and, and I, I would always look at how uh, people like Ferry Porsche and Helmut Bott and, and people like that were, were dressed also. They were really wearing a Lodenfrei, which is a German design style of, of wools, green wools, and, and uh, very uh, subdued and things like that. But you think about the magic that, that were done under these people. And then I remember Peter Falk. You know, Peter Falk would pull up in front of the, the big engineering building, at, uh, you know, at Vizac. And uh, he always drove this kind of um, uh, Talbot yellow uh, 911. Every every time the 911 came out, you know, you'd he'd, you'd get a new car every year, and he would order it exactly the same. He'd, he'd take off the big mirrors, and it would have the early mirror on it. It would have narrow tires and wheels on it. Um, it was always specked out the same. Um, you know, going to the racing department, things like that, and, and just seeing how serious Porsche was in its development of its race cars. Um, the um, uh, you know Audi. You know, I got to know, I mean, talk about being nervous in an environment that, that you know, he would come in and we would have, for instance, up at Volkswagen, there was uh, the big uh, uh, showroom that design had at, at Wolfsburg. And um, he would walk around every single vehicle, talk in detail about every nuance. And right next to a clay model would be a, a, an engine a W12 engine laid out with all of its parts. And he would be asking the engineer every nuanced question about weight and strength and, uh, you know, every, uh, everything. And you could see these, these engineers just sweating away, but those are great experiences in a way, because those, those, those things don't, don't happen today. They just don't, you know, it, it, it we're in a different world today, but those were the days of when, you know, uh, people were, were creating real time in a room together. You know, it's different than, than the, the kind of the digital world that we live in today. And um, even at Daimler Chrysler, you know, um, uh, you know, going on a lot of these trips with uh, um, uh, Dieter Zetsche, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, great. I mean, just absolutely great people. Tom Gale. Uh, Amazing person, amazing from the standpoint of, of his vision for design and the way that he was able to put design and the business side together and, and, and make design professional. So that because design is always looked upon as a, a subjective, you know, kind of thing that, oh, we have to make it look pretty. But, but I think what Tom communicated was that it was an essential functional part of the vehicle 
that was also very important to marketing and selling the vehicle. And, and so the Americans were always a little bit further ahead than the Europeans in, in, in the marketing side of all of that. So, and Jay Mays, Jay Mays is probably one of the most profound design leaders I've ever worked with, um, uh, you know, from the standpoint of not just understanding design, but understanding all the communication and nuances and, um, uh, you know, from the business side to the marketing, to the selling, to the engineering, to the storytelling, um, you know, he is still today one of the most profound design leaders. And I've met them all. I have met them all. And nobody, nobody that I've met even comes close to Jay Mays. That's amazing. And what company, Jay Mays, for those who don't know that are listening, work with him where? I worked with Jay at Audi. I, and, and then I, I did also a stint with him at a company called SHR, which was a communication firm where we did a, a project for Alcoa. It was one of the early aluminum space frame a vehicle concepts. Uh, and, and we did that with Lawrence Vandenacker. Lawrence, also a profound design leader, runs all of um, Renault design globally now. And, um, and then, uh, then Jay ended up taking over Jack Telnack's role at, at Ford, but he became a, a, not just a VP, he became a group VP of, uh, and, and he also became the chief creative officer of Ford. So he, under his leadership, some of the most amazing vehicles came out and, and concept vehicles from the O21C through to um, all the, the F-Series trucks, the new Mustang, that, uh, the, the generation that's out right now, um, uh, you know, and, and just profound, you know, uh, on everything. But I have to say that design, design is limited by leadership. You know, if you have really open-minded leadership, you can get amazing things. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of great designers leave the mainstream. Henrik Fisker, you know, left Ford. He was uh, uh, running uh, Ingenie, uh, uh, which is the design uh, studio in London. And also he ran Aston Martin and uh, went on his own. And, um, and we know where he is now. And, um, you know, and there are others, you know, that, that, that uh, uh, Franz von Holzhausen, you know, Franz was a young designer with us in the Volkswagen Audi studio. And, and now he runs design at Tesla. And there's Derek Jenkins, Derek, uh, young designer, that worked with us at Volkswagen Audi. He, he went with us over to Europe at Audi. Now he runs all of design at Lucid. And, um, and, and one of the guys that we worked with at SHR in developing the Alcoa vehicle was um, Peter Rawlinson. Peter was um, at that point chief engineer at Lotus. And so we had hired Lotus to help us engineer it. And, um, and now Peter is the CEO of Lucid. And, 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 and Peter holds many of the patents because he was chief engineer for, for Tesla. Um, so really a small world. Yeah, unbelievable sort of interconnectedness. And obviously all those new brands, electric cars, different stuff, and people are moving into these innovative areas. It's really fun, yeah. fun to watch those people flourish. Um, if you had to look back, here's a very general question. If you had to look back on your career, your, you know, your hands in all these different models and, and components that you designed and different aspects, you're talking about interiors, exteriors, 
Um, what's sort of one of the, the really crowning achievements for you personally in terms of really being glad that you were involved on some vehicle or with some team or with some, some moment in time that happened for you? Yeah. Well, before I answer that, it, it, you know, it, you have to kind of look at it in context of where you are in your life and, and growing, you know, and, and what it means to you. Because, um, you know, all my experiences at Porsche, no matter how small or large, were big experiences, you know, and highlights. And, and I, I, I could outline, you know, probably for a couple hours, you know, those things. Um, same with Audi, you know, uh, uh, and, and Volkswagen. You know, and, and, and even Daimler Chrysler, you know, Tomahawk motorcycle, you know, um, uh, Chrysler 300, um, you know, Ford, many, many great experiences, concepts. We did a concept vehicle called Start that, that was a concept that we showed at Beijing as one of my favorites. But the one that probably meant the most because it was something that, that was created out of my sketch pad uh, from its purest form um, and it was, it was a story that, that was inside of me since early Porsche days uh, when I did a, a, with my colleague a, a, a concept outside of the studio called the kitchen model. And if you want to read about the kitchen model, you, the latest issue of Triple Zero magazine uh, mentions the kitchen model in it. And um, the kitchen model was a very pure spider vehicle that we did in the mid 80s. And, and we did it as a scale model. I did it with my colleague, Steve Merkitt and uh, two Swedish modelers, uh, Bank, uh, Beckborn and, um, uh, and, and his colleague. Uh, and, and so we, we you know, the, the, what we got out of that, you know, at Audi, uh, you know, I was always doing a lot of thumbnail sketches and ideas. And when I first went over with uh, Jay to Audi, I did this little thumbnail and Jay loved it so much that he, he took it to Dr. Pufkin, who was at that time head of development for Audi. And this literally happened within a couple hours. And he came back and he said, you know, Dr. Pufkin loves this idea. He wants you to do it. And, and so I was asked to do it in private uh, 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 away from work. Uh, and they set up my apartment with the drawing, my drawing table and some things. And then eventually... Um, uh, an area in a loft in the little village of Geimersheim. And that's the birth of the Audi TT. And, and the Audi TT was a very pure process from start to finish, you know, and it was, it was my philosophy of Erwin Commenda and uh, Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche coming together uh, with, with this unique uh, Bauhaus inspired uh, philosophy and, um, and literally not one line was changed from the concept through to the production vehicle. And, um, and so that's, that's a real highlight. And it's also a great example of how to do things when you have the right team, the right people, the right leadership. Um, and eventually Dr. Pefkin became chairman of Audi and, um, and he, he helped me with, with the right team. And even after that project, um, he would come out to California. Um, and, and by the way, you know, the first time I met Dr. Pefkin was before he was head of development and I, I joined Audi, he was a chief engineer and we had, um, I came to California and we had lunch together and he told me about 
you know, as uh, when he was younger, he drove across America in a Volkswagen bus. And so th that's the soulfulness that that is really required, I think, in leadership to have those experiences of relating to the customer and 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 why you you fight for certain things. I love it. Oh my goodness, that TT. Uh, I am a huge fan of the TT. I don't know uh, if you were involved on the interior and the exterior, and, and certainly the exterior, which was so revolutionary. I remember when the when the uh, sort of sketches came out in Road and Track and stuff for that car, and everybody was just totally blown away. And it was such a such a neat moment, and cool to see Audi's resurgence. When I was in college, I interned at Audi AG in Ingolstadt, and I got the, to work on the, the EF team, the Farberg team that did chassis development, and we worked on the TT and what the shifter was going to feel like, and I yeah, uh, I equate that to your moments, you know, going into Porsche, and like every little project was like mind-blowing and amazing for me because I was 21 years old, and I'm walking around the halls of, you know, the inner skunk works of Audi and they had these models of the TT that hadn't been released yet. And I'm, I'm writing letters to my friends telling them about the TT is going to be amazing. And all. I mean, it was just such a, such a time. And I got a tiny little flavor of that. And you are a hundred times the innovator that I was, cause I was just like hanging on as an intern and you were uh, actually doing the groundbreaking stuff. But I, I got a little taste of that sort of pre-development energy and seeing stuff behind the curtain and knowing what a, meaningful vehicle that was the the air vents on the dash of the tt the way you click them to turn them on and off i'm sure you're familiar with like that's like one oh of yeah favorite, absolutely favorite things about that whole car and that whole sort of era like anytime i get into tt i immediately adjust all the vents just because they feel so cool and there were so many neat little design elements so it's such a design driven model um, yeah, so sorry for letting me gush here a little bit about no no out. absolutely no but, it was a it was an amazing process and and um uh you know the the, the development i led the development and, and i and i penned the exterior and then working with a, a brilliant interior designer romy ross uh developing the interior philosophy and the, the interior was inspired by the speedster you know you can see that simple you know, uh, a dash hood. And then the vents, we actually built the, the first um, concept vehicles. Uh, we started off at Udelhof in, in Geimersheim, uh, which does a lot of stuff with Audi. And then we moved down to Ital Design in um, uh, Torino. And uh, I remember uh, meeting uh, Gijaro for the first time and bringing him into the room where we had the, 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 the full-size model. And, um, and I asked him his opinion and he said, I wouldn't change a line, you know, that, that, that was really ama amazing. And then, and then we brought, uh, we brought, uh, Audi engineering down to, to Torino on every detail of that car, including those vents. And, and those, those vents are like a Leica camera, you know, the way that the, the thought process behind it, the way that the vents work every nuance of it and everybody on the team had that mindset you know to to do things that way and i remember um uh showing showing it at the spider version at the detroit show uh and i remember harm guy coming up uh to the show stand looking at the car and he sat in the car with me and he goes and i worked for harm at porsche as well as tony 
And, uh, and he said, you know, this is really nice stuff, but this stuff will never make it to production. <laughs> so, so, so anyways, you know, history has proven differently, but uh, um, that's, that's, I think that early mindset is what, you know, when you think of somebody like a Steve Jobs or uh, somebody like that, that had this absolute, you have to have, uh, not only do you have to have the vision, but you have to have the resources and, and the power to do this, you know? And in those days at Audi, we had the right people put together that, that you know, with Jay Mays, we had Pef, Dr. Pefkin. Uh, I had this brilliant engineer, Ralph Vilner, Romy Rost. You know, th these are just brilliant people that were so passionate about doing it. You know, and, and there was only way to do it. And that was doing it right, you know. And, uh, and so um, that's why that car is the way. Yeah, uh, just really amazing. I mean, the, the, and it also helps that Audi started selling some A4s and some A6s. They had some money, right? So they had some firepower. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to five or, five or 10 years earlier, they were uh, not in the advantageous position. So when I was there, it really seemed like it was like, you know, all guns blazing on innovation and building buildings and factories and doing stuff. And, and that was right in there at the right time. So neat. So what well, you have to, you, you have to have a halo vehicle, you know, yeah. to, to bring to, to attract people to your philosophy. Yeah. And, um, and, and in a way, this is what, what I'm doing now at Myers Manx. I, I, you know, the, 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 the vehicle that the, the, the I, whether it be the legacy vehicle or, the, the next, what we're calling Manx 2.0 internally is, is going to be that. It will be that. I promise you that. It, it, it will be uh, because everybody that, our whole team are creating something great and something that's in, in Bruce's legacy, you know, that is going to be make him proud. I love it. Well, hey, I think that's a great uh, item to end on. Um, and wow, what, a, what an interesting conversation. And I think we could stem towards, uh, or springboard to more conversations about so many, so many of, uh, your past stories, which I appreciate you sharing, uh, but also all these, uh, all the new, uh, ideas and, and innovation around Manx, which we also appreciate you sharing. So, uh, Mr. Thomas, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, thanks for being part of BAT. Like everybody always likes to know, you know, who are these people behind the curtain? And you're certainly one of them. You've mentioned you've been in there commenting and, and uh, lurking around the halls of BAT for quite a while. Uh, can you share just briefly before we leave um, when or how you discovered BAT? Do you recall the story? You know, uh, it, because I, I, I started uh, watching BAT in the very early days. I, I mean, I, I, I remember... Uh, because my, my colleague, uh, John Kleiner and I, you know, we started uh, the, the Irvine Cars and Coffee. And um, uh, even at that time, you know, Bring a Trailer was kind of in the, the dialogue that, that, you know, and, and Richard Plavidich, I remember, was uh, really watching it and, and participating on it. I remember him and my friend uh, Jim Kokoris put a Messerschmitt um uh the, the three-wheeler on it and and i think he had sold it maybe a couple of other vehicles oh um yeah i think i don't know whether that was the first vehicle he did or was his triumph but um anyways it just became uh this it place to go and i just love the grassrootsness of it i love that uh you had all these great people commenting um you know about the car 
there was no politics. It wasn't high school. It was really about, you know, and, and when a bad car came up, people called it out, you know, and, uh, you know, and I, I, my, my interests are broad in, in classic cars. It goes from, you know, the Porsche Volkswagen side. And I, I have a, um, a, a 72, the 246 Dino coupe and um, which is not by any means, it, it is a, a, it's a driver. And so it sort of fits the, the, you know, the as found barn find look that I like sometimes on bring a trailer, you know, and, um, but even Ewan McGregor right now that his, that the Buick that he was selling, I mean, that is just tremendous stuff. The, the bandwidth, of stuff that comes up and it's, I see other sites trying to get that kind of traction, but they're, they just ha don't have that secret sauce. You know, they just, uh, you know, and they're trying to emulate, bring a trailer, but I think it's because the, the comment section and the photography and also the way that the description is, is choreographed is done so well that there's a certain a bar that, that a vehicle has to kind of pass through to get on to bring a trailer. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, we work very hard at that. We have a huge team now that's working to maintain that sort of specialness for it. And uh, we feel very fortunate that people, uh, esteemed folks in the car universe, such as yourself, uh, are willing to spend time and join us and participate from time to time uh, on the website. And yeah, everybody really wins. Uh, when people share uh, their knowledge and their stories and, and uh, some of those names that you mentioned of people that steered you towards that we are very thankful that, that uh, they're involved as well. So thanks for sharing that and kind of bringing it back around um, to the connection to BAT. Thanks for all the stories today. And uh, we look forward to your great success uh, with Myers-Banks and your other projects. And we hope maybe we can have you again sometime. Thank you, Randy. And uh, I love being on your show. Fantastic. Well, we'll do it again. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining the BAT podcast this time. And uh, we'll be back with more fun guests in the week to come. <laughs>